Warning, this 25th installment of Spyrek Interview Podcast's Bond Marathon will contain adult language, mature situations, the return of a villainous spy organization, modern-day surveillance concerns, villainous torture sequences, a perplexing ending, and a new origin for James Bond's most villainous adversary. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Listener discretion is advised. Spyrek in Motion Picture Review, James Bond, 007, Spectre. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spark in Motion Picture Reviews, James Bondathon. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjour, and what's up? Hey, it's Greta. And we are back again for another fun-filled episode, and most importantly than that, it is the technically penultimate episode of this special Bond marathon, because we have one more after this. So who's excited to see where we go from here? I always love a good Bond film. It's really good, and this one is a very, well... To this point, this is the last one up until No Time to Die. And I've got to say, so far, well, it's been a weird ride. It's been crazy, starting from Goldfinger and going, no, not Goldfinger, starting from Dr. No and going all the way to now. 25 different films about James Bond. And he's changed over time. And this is a very different departure from all the other ones, seeing all the differences in security concerns and technology and everything in general. Because remember, in the first movie, his only technology was that old computer that like a phone in the hotel room to call someone. Now he's got cell phones and tracking wear and all this other stuff. Jetpacks and, and alligators. Is that, is that going too far back? No, that's not going too far back. But he's gone through so much over time. But beforehand, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Spyrokin or some podcasts and banging reviews about connectly enhanced narratives is a podcast that provides informative reviews about connectly enhanced narratives. What does that mean? Well, if you watch it, you read it, you check it out, you play it, we'll talk about it and tell you the pros and cons about it. Since it's the motion picture review, obviously we're talking about movies. And since it's the James Bond review, what are we talking about? James Bond! Yes, and we're giving a good analysis for each one. Now, you don't have to read anything we say, we try to be educational, enlightening, exciting, and most importantly, entertaining. And you can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spirekin.com You can email us at spirekin at gmail.com Tweet us at spirekin and let us know what your thoughts about the different James Bond films at www.spirekin.com or zan at spirekin.com And now, let's actually get to it because we're talking about the fourth direct sequel of the Daniel Craig Bond film. So this is the first one where we had four in a row where they're direct sequel. It's not a spin-off or this kind of happened but maybe it didn't. Right? Right. A little crazy. And this is, like I said, the 24th film in the official Eon franchise, not including uh, Never Say Never Again and not including Casino Royale, which we have not covered yet. We might do that as the final film because we're going to do some other things. But we digress. So some other little topics. This is the most expensive Bond film in the franchise to date at $300 million, but it did not make its money back. Not at all. What made it so expensive? Um, maybe going into the middle of the desert and making an evil base for, for our villain. Oh, construction costs, maybe. Maybe, but $300 million is a lot. And this one yeah. does not feel like a $300 million. It's not like movie. everyone's wearing diamonds. Like the last, no, but you do have a... That's just going to be a point of contingency. You do have a cat in it, though. True. Maybe it's that whole, uh, no, I think it's all the surveillance equipment, probably. And the fact they had to blow up the old MI6 building. They're like, said, we're really going to blow it up, so we need $300 million. Well... I feel like, especially, that was CG, right? Or CGI. I don't know if that was, because they have the new building. They didn't, actually, they didn't actually blow it up, Oh, though. so the old... I thought that they replaced it. But maybe because... How expensive is it to do all that CGI stuff? True. 
Maybe that's where the costing is. Probably, maybe. I mean, but then future films that are coming out later in the year, like Dune, cost less than this. So, not sure. But that's supposedly all practical. But Dune could be, like, green screen. No, apparently, like, most of that was is not green screen for the movie. But that's when we see Dune. I'm just for stuff now. But anyway, so let's get some basic information about the film out. Now, first off, this is directed once again by Sam Mendes, who did the last film, Spyfall. And this film feels different than Spyfall. Spyfall felt like it's the ultimate James Bond movie. This one feels like a dramatic departure, even though the opening sequence is totally James Bond. Well, it's, it's all the... It's all the um... Yeah, and the Dia de los Muertos. Oh yes. Best. Sorry if I say that wrong. It is the best scene. That in is the just movie. like super awesome. But um but it's those like long table, big specter meeting that feels different. Yeah, and also in the middle of nowhere with everybody with a McLaren or Yep. Also the new uh cinematographer, there's a big difference. Like in in the um Looking at Quantum of Solace, going back to Quantum of Solace, that was jump cut, jump cut, jump cut, jump cut. Then looking at Skyfall, it's a That nice... was, for those who couldn't hear that, that was jump cut, jump cut, jump cut. Yes. But it was done in the uh, time frame of the movie. Yes. And Spy, Skyfall was more like, okay, we're going to, it's traditional film acting where it's like, okay, you got scene, then we're going to cut. And it looked very flawless. But then you look at the opening for this one, it's a continuous tracking shot of James Leaving leaving the building, following the guy, switching to his new clothes, and then immediately him going to find out more about the White King. And I love that opening sequence, also just because James in the um in that Dio de los Muertos uh clothes. Really awesome. I want to wear that on Dios de los Muertos if you ever go to Mexico. But I digress. Also, fun fact, ever since that this movie came out, that's become a thing in Mexico City now. They made it even bigger. Because of well, that. it was always a thing. But not in Mexico City. Now Mexico City is like the main place to go. So pretty cool. But anyway, so yeah, we said it directed. He did a decent job. Um, it was written by John Logan, Neil Purvis, and Robert Wade again. Um, John Logan, you could tell, added some things to this film. There's some issues, though. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, again, produced by Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Barakli. Yeah, no mention of Cubby. But that's because Albert Broccoli's been dead for how long? The Since the 80s? True. True, true, true. Again, this is based on James Bond by Ian Fleming in that franchise. Um, cinematographer who's been doing some of the great shots, some of the more weird shots, is Hoyt von Hoytema. Uh, haven't heard anything about this person. Don't know, but interesting. I think that them doing the sequence with the airplane may have also cost a lot of money, too. Now that I think about it. Where he's flying the airplane and the, as he's chasing Hank and them as they kidnap Swan. And then he kind of just waves it at Hank. He's like, hey! And then he points a gun and shoots at him. <laughs> nice sequence. Uh, this was released October 26, 2015 and released in the U.S. in November 6, 2015. Which seems to be a running gag with most of the Bond films that released in October or November. Which might be why it was actually pushed back. Originally, because of the fact that it was... Well, no, it was, like, pushed back a few months, and then it was COVID, and then it was like, hey, if we're going to push it back two years, we might as well just have it come out in October. I know, but the thing is, you think about it, it's, like, always October, so maybe the universe is like saying, no, you can't release it in April. We're going to do this horrible thing, so you can't release it. Who knows? So, like I said, budget was 240 to $300 million. The box office was $880 million. so it made its money back, 
but we didn't exactly. So. It had all the cool things. Like it had like a secret society. You have the the ring. You have the guys coming to kill the ex, Girl, the daughter. widow. You have like it's got all the cool stuff. It's you got a train scene. And there's just little elements that make it not exactly it's cohesive. It's not like, super bond. Yes, but let's, let's now get into the cast. It's more Bondo, if you will. Exactly, Bondo. Now let's get into the cast. So I think the only way to do this right is we should start off with the one person who is most important to Daniel Craig's James Bond. And we're not talking about Vesper. We're talking about Judy Dench as M. Essentially, his family. Yes. and That she, was the closest thing he had to family. That was his mom, essentially. And it's good to see her back, even though it's posthumously. But I mean, not Judy Dench isn't dead, but M died last film, and it's sad to see her there. And it's kind of cool seeing that she's why he's going to hunt down everybody and kill them because she said, "I want you to find this man and kill him." Yep. And it sets up everything for what's going on in this important episode, and it's her eighth appearance, I think, in the whole franchise because you start with Golden Eye, and then from here it's eight. Whoa, that's a long time. It's, it's. It's not a long time. It's the, uh, I don't know what the word is for it. You're going to have to edit this. No, no, no. It's okay. It's like. She is the oldest M. She's done it the longest. She's the longest running M. Yeah. She earned it. She definitely did. Now, if she gets a cameo in No Time to Die, then that's awesome. How can they do a cameo for her? eh, Flashback? Maybe. I don't know. As long as, I mean, not like in the opening sequence flashback like actually have her in the movie but anyway so then we have she needs to be at the premiere she does she definitely does uh next we have alessandro cremona as marco ciara now this is the guy that we first meet who is the first person who has to die he's this italian specter agent who bond kills at the day of the dead mission and i gotta say that is a horrible, gruesome death because it's not the, oh, he got thrown into sharks. Oh, he got exploded. No, he just gets straight up thrown out of an airplane. and Helicopter. You're right, a helicopter, and he goes splat. Well, we don't see him go splat. That's cool. that's one of the things that I love about the, the 007 franchise is there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of fighting. There's guns. There's all sorts of stuff, but you don't. It's not visceral. Not always. It's not, not like always. Quentin Tarantino. No, it's Mr. Like, Big exploded. We see him explode. True. But that was still a little bit comical. Yeah, but we don't see him like all the blood everywhere and it's just kind of there. True. But he, after a fight, he gets shoved out of a helicopter and he doesn't make it. No, he doesn't. But he sets up everything further because he has the ring which leads James on this whole mission. Spectre. Now, the crazy part is that, how is it that, if it's his ring, how is it that all the other people touch the ring? That's the only BS part. It's like, everyone touched it. All of the other people touch the ring. There's more than that. There's, other people have, also have that ring. It's like a secret society thing. Yeah, but it's like, you know, um, every villain from the series is on that ring. It makes no sense that, um, that's, it's just an octopus. Yeah. But anyway, we're getting into semantics. So next we have Stephanie Sigmon as Estrella, who's the Mexican agent who helps James in the beginning. And I got to say, and this is me going from you, her dress was on point. The Day of the Dead costume. Oh, 
she looked excellent gorgeous oh that whole sequence in the beginning is my favorite sequence in the whole movie like i've said it's just it's so cool and also the james talks i want that for day of the dead it's awesome time but we have to wait for day of the dead to be on a weekend so we could do something like that which is a shame but no we just have to find the text no if we want to do like a day of the dead party like that we gotta do like on a weekend true but anyway, next we have Ray Fiennes as Gareth Mallory, or as we now know him, M. M. He has settled into the role, and he is very good as M now. He is that boss who's there. He's like Bernard Shaw. He's like all the other M's we've had before. It's James is one of his problem solvers, but he's going to yell at James if James makes a mistake. And he actually benches James like, no, we're done. I'm not dealing with this shit. You're on leave. So what I like about Judy Dench's M that's different than Ray Fines. Ray Fines M is that Judy Dench is more of a badass, harder, more tough as nails, but you don't have like but you she has to be as a woman to be that impactful. Whereas He got hit by a car and had to escape from them trying to kill him. She ordered him to be shot. She said, "Take the sh- take the shot," True. and it, it hit him. To, to I mean, James. to, to James. James, like she she was super tough and had to make the tough decisions. But it almost comes off more harsh because she's a female, and you expect a female to be more empathetic and sweet and whatnot. So, what's the new guy's name? Uh, uh, Ray Fines. Ray Fines. I'm going to remember his name eventually. Ray Fiennes is a good M. He's tough and whatnot, but not nearly as tough as Judy Dench's M. We've only had him a couple times, so we'll have to see how he does in the future. But I do like the fact that he flips immediately. Like he's like always like, I'm gonna be the hard ass, I'm gonna be this. Oh, we have to do something different. Then he's in the muck with it. Like mm-hmm. going back to spy Skyfall, he immediately is like, I'm gonna investigate you and I'm gonna get you closed down. But the minute that they're uh Going after he protects them. Uh, Javier Bardem. He's like, oh yeah, you do that like this. This is the best way to do it. Um, what if we get caught, sir? Well, then we're all buggered. Yeah, and he's he's in it, and I like him. But th- unlike Judy, the other M's, he will get his hands dirty. True. M like all the other M's from Judy Dench, Bernard Shaw, and the guy in between them who I can never remember. They were just were behind the desk. No, I Judy really like. Bernard Shaw, Judy Dench would get her hands One dirty. Time. He has gotten his every She movie, was like taking something. broken light bulbs and making bombs out of them. But, I I think Judy Dench has really big shoes to fill, even though her feet might be tiny. I they're think that metaphorically he, huge. He has fought both movies. He's killed people. This is uh, Judy Dench. Yeah, she killed like one guy, but he has shot people throughout both movies and killed. So it's not a, not even a, Oh, he can't kill anybody. So question for everyone. Who's the tougher M yeah. Who is the tougher M? But anyway, let's get to some of the other ones. Next. We have Monica Bellucci as Lucia Sciara, who is the wife of the assassin Marcus. So she's the girl from the matrix matrix franchises. Yeah. From matrix reloaded. And, a couple of other movies, and she's just known for her Italian accent and her huge tracks Assets. of land, <laughs> as I say. And she is a horrible actress. And I know she's like saying, be- she's she's not a horrible actress. She's she can play one role, but she 
we've only really seen her do that one role. We have seen, no, I've seen her do other roles, but she's a horrible actress in this. Like, compared to other Bond girls, she's really bad. I will say she's known for being beautiful in her body. And oh, she's graceful. Even as movie. she even as she's aging, she's still gorgeous. She is. It's just it's this one is. Rough. I believe I believe her as a bad guy's wife. Yes, I a hundred percent believe her as a bad guy's wife. And with her acting, it looks like they took the real bad guy's wife and had her play herself. I could see that because she's just very tired of all the stuff because she knows she's going to die. She's like, yeah, I'm going like to get killed Like she pours herself a drink. She walks out and she like kind of closes her eyes and waits for the shot. And she knows it's going to be clean. But she's like, yep, I'm going to die now. I just think that I've seen better. But anyway, next, um, returning once again, and this is the second time, no, third time he's been back. Jesper Christensen is back as Mr. White. And he has gotten... A horrible look. He went from, I'm kind of charismatic looking when you first see me when James shoots me in the leg, to I'm the guy who's in charge of everything and I escape from the secret opening of Quantum of Solace to I'm a dead man. (laughs) He's like all decrepit and like, and I get it, Thelonium is not a good way to die. That's that's a really bad way to die. I mean, that's uh, just, you're you're taking straight up radiation poisoning. I mean, I think... He just looks frail and old and And I like that it's like it's because he screwed up. That's why they're they're poisoning him and he doesn't care about anything except his daughter. He's like, Listen, I'll be fine the daughter. You find my daughter, you protect her, I don't give a shit what else you do. Yeah. Um, do you think he took the coward's way out though? No. I don't think there is a coward's way out. You don't think he should have just that, that was him dying with dignity, him blowing his brains out. The closest thing to it, yeah. Yeah. But that's a, a disturbing, macabre discussion for another day. So let's go back. Rory Kinnery is back as Bill Tanner, who's now officially the chief of staff of MI6. He's no longer just M's assistant. And he does really good with it. He's like, yeah, this is what has to go on. I'm in charge now. And he... What's kind of cool about him is he's... Grown. He's in charge, he's grown, but he's still the underling. He still isn't the one that gives the orders. He still has to like come and ask for things. It's just like Oh, he gives orders to everybody under him. Like he gives Right, like in a in a big way, but then he's like he comes back to it and he's like, Yeah, so I had the prime minister on the line. What am I supposed to tell him? Like he's still like, Oh what's our official statement? Like it I like that there's a like a partnership. Yeah. I think with him grown. and M. I think there's a partnership grown. with him and M, and I I like it. It's like a we're making it up as we go along. Yeah, it's as opposed to I'll do whatever you say, boss. It's now like I have to cover your ass while keeping. I'm going to cover your ass. You're going to cover mine, and somehow we're going to make it out of this. Yeah, and especially now with the new quote unquote secondary villain uh, played by Andrew Scott as C or Max Denver, who is the new head of the new joint in intelligence service and well as i said he's a bad guy who's investigating mi6 making sure they close down for his new there's a reason why they call him c i was really hoping that that meant something else because it's a british movie i was hoping they were going to say it but they went nice and clean 
Well, no, it's 007. It's there. They walk all the way around it. They put it out there on a silver plate for you. They just don't say it. It's it's how 007 winks at the camera. It does. And he is such a little pissant and a little... And we've seen him in other things as well. I mean, he played Moriarty on... Um, Sherlock Holmes, the TV show with yeah. uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. He was the cop in Young, in Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. And he has a great range, and I like how he plays it. In and this he's one. like menacing and all of that. Like He's a dick. <laughs> or the female version of that no, slang. He's, he's not that. Which would be why his name is C. He's a prick who's like, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and he's not. Like, he's like, oh. no, no, he knows he's the smartest guy in the room and he's not. He's like, that's what makes him see. Yeah, but he's not menacing. He's like, oh, well, you don't understand what's going on. I know better than you. I'm, be- um, you know, you're all your double O agents. Like, Gareth Mallory has killed people. Most of the double O's have killed people. You are a bureaucrat. In order to be a double O, you have to have killed two. At least two. And this guy has never killed anybody. He's the guy who's like, I'm a villain. I'm evil. I've never... Has he never killed anybody? Out of hench... I'm pretty sure he's never killed anybody. He's a pretty bad hench. Because he is... Is he a hench? Technically not the hench of the movie, but he's a second... A subordinate. So... He's pretty bad. Yeah. Like, I think he's... A little better. No, the general I think is better than him. That one general bad guy we had, who in the in uh, the Roger Moore era is a better guy than him. He's yeah, pretty low. He's such a C. Yes, but then we have Dave Batista back again. I love Dave Batista. I hope he hears this random podcast of ours. I love him as Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. And you know who he is not in this movie? He's not Drax. He is not Drax. He is a cutthroat. Really good looking, very dapper, perfectly tailored suit for a really big guy. But I will kill you with my bare hands in front of everybody and then sit down and pretend like nothing is wrong. He is playing Mr. Hank, who is the top assassin for Spectre. And he gets his top assassin because they say, so who wants who wants this guy's seat? He just raises his hand. He doesn't even raise his hand. He just shows up and kills him. He's like, I'll take it. No, at first he's like, so So what is, they ask him, so what are your qualifications? And he just takes the guy who was originally going to get it and just kills him right there. In then, his, again, I'm going to say it, perfectly tailored suit. And then he takes out his, um, his pocket square, cleans off his fingers, which are painted gold. He has two metal gold fingers. Well, who's going to challenge nails. his manicure when he down. kills a guy? In front of many, many people. Kills, like, the head bad guy in front of many, many people and just sits down and, and takes his place. Yeah. He, he's so not Drax. I love him. He's And awesome. he has only one line in the whole movie. He just, he's not under, he's Well, I hope silent. they did it. I hope they did not pay him by word. No. Because he gave a, a exemplary performance. And the fight scene on the train is a really, really, really good fight scene. He is how Zhao should have been in... Uh, die another day. Zhao with his diamond in his face should have been like this. Not talking, not quippy, just a killing machine who gets the explosion. Again, more diamonds in his face than in Diamonds Are Forever. Not that I'm bitter about that. but I do like that um, he also gets a gadget car that works really well. 
Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he's fighting really well. And he's showing his Dave Batista is from the wrestler form. Like, he was a pro wrestler. You see him being a pro wrestler. Fighting he was never a pro wrestler. He will always and forever Ross. be Drax from Guardians of oh, the Galaxy. You did not know him from the days of when he was a wrestler. I remember when he debuted on WWE. No, I, I remember because my Nana used to love WWE wrestling more than anybody. And him with his huge tattoo on his back, which I now have to cover with all the prosthetics. So you don't see it. And you sometimes see it in some of <laughs> no, the but, scenes. No, but he is he is awesome. He is epic. And he plays a dapper, cutthroat, over-sauced thug. Can you say over-sauced? He's not a thug. He's an assassin. He's not a, a stealthy assassin, but he's an assassin. But when you think of assassin, you don't think of the steroid-enhanced, muscle, silent hairless type wait are you thinking more like from uh you only live twice the guy who had the thread who poised who trying to poison bond in the roof like that type of assassin like where you don't even see him well i'm thinking that but i'm also pulling or from, like red grant from, from also, with love but i'm also pulling from like born trilogy and things like i'm thinking about assassins as people who are like navy seals they're unassuming not like, oh, wow, that's a huge dude in a perfect suit. But he's a hench. Henches have different roles. Totally. And and so this might be controversial, so brace yourself. But he, he is really close for me with... Odd job. Odd job. Well, we have been talking about this, and I'm thinking he's going to be in the top five for henches. Hate to say it, he's got to be top five just for imposing for... For his, I mean, nature. give him Odd Job's hat. No, and then Odd jo- no Odd Job showed he didn't say a word in the whole movie, and he again beat hope- the shit out of Sean Connery. Yeah, true. I hope that neither of these guys got and both paid of them by were wrestlers, the- and were epic. I think that we need The Rock as as a hench with the eyebrow. Oh, oh and then the eyebrow could get like flame. Thrower burnt off. No, no, no. And we, then he'd we be need pissed. someone to, to bring this to Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You need to be in a James Bond movie as the hench. You have to. He's That's a local what boy. You must do. All the aunties out there. True. Get the rock into this. Yep. So let's move on from from him into someone who has actually gone backwards, and we're talking about Naomi Harris as Eve Manypenny. She went backwards from the last movie because she was a very different Many Penny, who was, I'm a field operative. Now she's just Many Penny. She's just. She was a field. She was a field operative. Now she's more into the role of the desk. No, she's Many Penny as she's supposed to be in all the other ones, and I feel it's a disservice because I liked them going into more like she was an operative and she was helping out. This one. See, I I think this is building for something. I think that she's undervalued. I think that. It's good to have somebody behind the desk who has field experience and knows. And we know now why she's so in love with James and why there's that tension because there was a thing there. True. But the thing is... She shaved him. Now, we know in the new movie from the trailers that there's a new 007 who is played by a different actress. I would rather have... Female. No, Yes, a female 007. I would rather have had many Penny as 007. That would have been interesting. But again, we haven't seen it yet, so we're going to have to wait and see how it goes. But I digress. I like Manny Penny in her role. I think it's sassy, and there's something 
sultry about her and she's brilliant and but this one she's not she's just kind of like she drops off m's effects and then next time we see her she's with her boyfriend and james is like who's there with you oh you don't need to know that that's what i love about her this one this m this many penny is like she's more of an onion there's more layers to this one but she's not the only one who's dated someone the last one dated someone also yeah and you know they go out to the opera and do all that but this one's from the field. She knows it. But this, but when he calls her out on having company, it's not like, oh, yeah, I had a date. It's like, oh, don't worry about that. Like, Shh. No one's keep... talking about that. And she's like, never mind who I'm talking to on the phone, honey. It's like, <laughs> just a quick work call. Go back to sleep. Wow. So speaking of other MI6 employees, we have Ben Winshaw back as Q. But this time it is Q the inventor. As opposed to the last time where he was like, I have one little invention. He has a ton of little inventions. He's really evolving. And I think that... He has the the Q yeah. uh, Desmond Llewellyn style now. Like I he's, think, he I think, puns at him. I think Desmond Llewellyn would tip his hat or honor him. I think it's a... I'm trying to do right by all of the other Qs that have come before me. And he's his own... Q. Even though he has the laptop and has that, which is his one gadget, but I like that he is taking the piss out of James at any moment. Like he's like, I told you to bring it in back in one piece, not bring back one piece. (laughs) But he also is a little more afraid of James than the other M's, other Q's. Rightfully so. Because the other ones were not afraid of him. The other ones were so old, they're like, what are you going to do? Kill me? No, no, no. When Desmond Llewellyn first started, he was the same age as Sean Connery, and they were contemporaries remember it was major boothroyd they were majors so they true but i like that he's like yeah so how long it'll take uh 24 i mean 48 hours yes right but he i think he gets kind of excited that he's kind of on the inside with james yeah he's kind of buddy buddy and i'm curious where they're gonna go with him i hope he sticks around a little longer we're gonna have to wait and see then we have Leah Sudeau as Madeline Swan, the daughter of Mr. White and a okay. psychiatrist. And I'm so glad you brought her up. Is different. She is absolutely beautiful. Just like, is she a Bond girl? She's a Bond girl. Right? She's a Bond girl. She, we define her as Bond girl. I think she's absolutely beautiful. She is blonde. She's got that European facial features she looks great in like that red lipstick although it's more subtle not as bright and that light blue silk dress on the train I'm just gonna go off just go with me on this one that light blue silk dress on the train she is so drop dead gorgeous she has all of the right that's ivory not blue (laughs) it looks blue to me it's like Cinderella blue whatever you want to call it that's ivory Okay, well, it's sad that it's I blue. know such things, but it's yes, blue. It's, ivory. it's like ice blue. So it's a very light blue. But um, I thought you hated the dress. You said it just didn't do anything for her. It does absolutely nothing for her. She is so beautiful. Again, she has curves in the, all of the right places. She is tone. I mean, she's got that classic like hourglass, and that dress from the front looks like 
Wendy from Peter Pan's nightgown. From the back, there's this really beautiful like swoopy detail in the back. And then it's still like a sheath covered all the way. Like they're trying to make it modest and sexy. And it, I, it was a fail for me. I was really disappointed in the dress. Again, she, her body is like goals for me for the gym, but they could have done so much better. Vesper's dress was so much better. But Vesper is a better character than her, but they're hinting that this is going to be his one true love. And it's like, no, Vesper is... No, but some of... I was only comparing dresses. I wasn't bringing up Vesper's. Some of of what I love about the Bond girls is the the beauty and the glamour and the romance and and the drop dead gorgeous dress that's completely unrealistic that no real woman that I know of in my circle would ever wear to an event and they just show up and they're like oh yeah this I just put this on and it's perfectly tailored to my body and this blue this blue silky satiny dress was on the train was such a letdown for me it is but let's get into like it's I'm sorry my rant is over I, I get that but you could edit that no I'm gonna leave it in because it's it's important but it's Here's the deal with her. They're hinting that she's supposed to be his one true love, the one that he leaves MI6 for, and I don't know. I don't buy it. I think it's too rushed, too fast. Like with Vesper, it was they had a couple of months together. It was two days, and they're the heat. Of, it it just feels weird. It feels very weird. Like she's the daughter. But with Vesper, there was two days, but there was so much that they went through. No, 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 no. Vesper, it was it was like a month together. This is two days in there, a thing. The dress that, what's her name's wears in in the um, random desert compound, has special like cutouts and is gorgeous and everything. It's just I have a problem with that blue silky dress from the train. I'm irritated. It's like the diamonds are forever without having a ton of diamonds in it. You can't say diamonds and you can't put a Bond girl in a cover all and make it a thing i know i know okay i'm done but i'm over it so but i mean as a as a main bond girl she's not bad she's someone who actually can fight she can do things it's just and she's a psychiatrist she's she's but she was more important that she's trained by mr white and she killed somebody early on and unlike the brawless bimbo who's a i'm a nasa agent i'm in that i'm so smart Yes, yes, yes. We've talked about her stupidity. Yeah, unlike her, she actually has depth and intelligence and thought, and I like her. I don't know. I don't think that she should be one of the few Bond girls to get a second repeat appearance, but she is. But she does a good job. Leah um, Sado does a good job. But I, I like her. I like her character. I like the actress. I like all of it. Wardrobe, fail. And now let's get to... The person who is the biggest issue of the film, Christoph Waltz, who is a great actor. He's amazing in most things he does, playing Hans Obenhauser, the nemesis for the film and the mastermind behind Spectre, who before the film started, they swore up and down that he was a new villain. Yep. He was someone who you would never expect, but, yep. and he was not in no way, shape, or form, playing an old villain from the earlier Bond franchise. But what happened in a moment that in our theater, someone screamed, fuck you, to the screen when they revealed it, 
it turns out that Mr. Obenhauser is not Mr. Obenhauser. Who is he? The greatest of all specter villains? Blowfield! Yes, the return of Blofeld. Stavro Blofeld, who is actually his mother's maiden name. So this is our fourth Blofeld, and... I don't know if you know this, but Blofeld was an old-time villain. He's been around. They lied to us. They, Not a new villain. They did a pretty bad job yeah. as lying to us. But more importantly than that, as the puppeteer of all of Bond's misery... They give his motivation for why he's been screwing around with Bond, not because he's messing with his uh, enterprises, not because he's his arch nemesis, because he's an evil villain. No, his reasons for hating him because they're brothers. No, because he was a fake adopted brother and he took his dad's attention from him. I'm going to create an evil criminal organization because you took my debt. No. Yeah. That's no. that's that's the stupidest that's reasoning. The, that's the plot. That's what they gave him. They could have done so much more. They could have said he actually was a Bond. They could have just said, oh, because you've interfered so many times. Nope. It's because he has daddy issues because he had to share his dad with a poor orphaned boy. And it it takes this great character who has done so much horrible things and just make him... A daddy's boy. Yep. And while it is Christoph Waltz and he does an amazing job with this character and there's some sequences, his main master plan, which is a stroke of genius in the first half, is dropped for, I'm going to fuck with James. And the whole thing is, like the 007s, they try to take them, they try to get them as orphans, they educate them, they train them, they come from humble backgrounds. And... Now we're introduced to his stepbrother, who's this evil overlord because he's upset that James was there. And faked his death and killed his, his father. And yeah. The movie takes is frustrating. Issues. Now let's actually get to Daniel Craig as James Bond. This is his fourth outing. And he's come a long way. He's no longer the blunt instrument. He is a more focused, a more together James. This is perfect James, where he has quippy moments. He's smart. He's compelling. He speaks multiple languages. And this is where he should have been from the beginning. I mean, seeing him progress and seeing the overarching narrative is kind of cool. But I don't know. This one, it seems like this is like his best movie, I still think, was a tie between Guyfall and Casino Royale. But this is as James being the secret agent. I think this is him at his best. I can see that. Because he's charismatic. He has all the moments. He's quippy. He's an action hero. And he deals with torture and other things as well. Uh, the only thing I don't buy is the end of the film. Which is such a pivotal and insane thing. Is because... Well, James quit. Yep. So now we've talked about the actors. But I, I believe that because James is like the diehard, I'm going to kill him, I'm going to disappear, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. He like has to be 100% committed to everything that he does. So if he's going to be committed and do this, then he's going to quit 
end. I don't buy it though. It's not like with Tracy where you could buy Tracy because Tracy and him were together for months. They were together for months because he was trying to investigate everything going on with the original Blofeld in in Her Majesty's Secret Service. They were together for months. And there's a that's a great romance that you could buy. And then the whole sequence of them getting married and he's going to leave but come back to work because it's together. It's Madeline being like, this is an ultimatum. I can't be with you if you're part of the spy. And he's like, oh, fuck it. I'm done. Yeah. It just feels very like we just need an idea. So anyway, let's actually get to the actual plot that we've kind of spoiled already because you know at the end he quits. But the whole premise is that... Uh, Judy Dench's M left a message to find a villain who's going to be doing a terrorist bombing in Mexico City. Ends up stopping him, gets a hold of a ring, which is part of the Spectre organization. Meanwhile, you have C, um, who is in charge of a new privately backed joint intelligence service that is going to be merging MI5 and MI6 together and creating a global surveillance and intelligence initiative called Nine Eyes, which they need one country to sign on because everyone else has agreed to it the one who has it is south africa so in conjunction with specter he's gonna bomb them so that they'll join and they'll have surveillance over everybody possible which is really a cool element but meanwhile while this is going on james is trying to find out what's going on with specter what their deal is and we actually get a moment of their secret meeting when he discovers what's going on and their secret meeting unlike with quantum is in a hidden mansion in the middle of italy where no one would expect and it's all like super creepy and weird and there's like bodyguards and everyone has to park in there and then it's like you everyone's have parked there super fancy cars mclaren i'm looking for other names of like audis and other things beautiful cars yeah no but not even out audis would be like what their housekeepers drive. These people are driving like Lamborghinis. Yeah. Things just, but like compared to how we've seen Spectre from the beginning till now, it feels so weird. Cause originally we saw it was just the leaders in a boardroom. And then when one of them screwed up, Blofeld killed like number six immediately. Mm-hmm. And like number six, number three, number two, number one, this, they got rid of the, Oh, it's just going to be the leaders. It was all of Spectre was there. With the leaders on the bottom, and then on the top, you had all of the subordinates just watching overhead. And I don't know. It just felt weird. Yeah, it did. It felt weird. It felt awkward. But I feel like that was the goal, is to make us feel uncomfortable, make us feel weird. This is a world that none of us have been exposed to. This is a truly secret. It was completely normal for everybody who was there, except for Daniel Craig. Well, except for 007, James Bond. Um, but it was it was meant to be something different and foreign that makes you feel uncomfortable. Like, just- I thought that was a great movie cinema trick to... I, I felt what they want me to do. I mean, the me twist when you see that they had the, the light right on James, they knew exactly where it was. I love that. But it's like seeing all the operatives in business suits and like they're all in white tie felt just so that that was like a little bit much, even for me. And I love James Bond, but that was like 
way too much. Uh, but I want an evil secret society that dresses up, that there's a dress code. Yeah, but I would rather have them all having seats or something else, but not the, oh, we all have to the kind of The only people that can have a seat are the really big main are the, players. Are the, are the numbered. Right. Are the numbered members, which we knew. And you didn't like the fact that it was like, oh, well, we've made this much in prostitution and drugs this week when they were giving their reports. Yeah. I feel like my Monday reports, except with bad things. They felt like a business organization, but they weren't as classy as Quantum. I have to admit, Quantum did the secret organization better. Yes, agreed. And I wish that we had kept like that secret, like it's in public and something like that. I don't know. But anyway, so we find out that that's his brother. They're trying to, to find out who he is. He ends up going to Austria where he's trying to locate Mr. White. Mr. White's dying. Mr. White says, if you want to find Blofeld or sorry, Obenhauser, you're going to have to go find his daughter and go to La American. And he finds her in Switzerland where she's at a clinic, which is a really disturbing clinic. It's like a health cleanse clinic where we don't serve alcohol, which James is like, really? You don't serve alcohol? Uh, take that and throw it down the toilet where it belongs. Cut out the middleman. Like, oh, it's juice and toast. No, it's not. It's like a, a, a sick... Quinoa cleanse. Bleh. But I like that there's you have that set piece with the airplane and um it's you have Hink kidnaps Madeline Swan, the daughter, and they're driving away, and you see James stole an airplane, and they're just Hink is driving down the road, he turns to his left, you see James flying the airplane, James waves at him, he kinda gives him a nod back, and then they start shooting at each other. Like Okay, we're going to do this. Hey, it's you. Hey, it's you. Uh-oh. Boom, 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 boom. We get that fight sequence, and then they end up going to La American, which is a hotel that there's a secret back room, which has evidence of Vesper that Mr. White was recruiting her early on. We don't watch the tape because James is supposedly done with it, even though I'm pretty sure James would have taken that and like watched it later. We get the train sequence, which is James in a suit and tie, which because we need James in a suit and tie, you know, in, you know, black tie, getting in a fight with Mr. Hank, kicking his ass or getting his ass kicked. And then Madeline saves the day. Yep. And then we get the secret base where Obenhauser reveals his secret that he is in league with C. And then we get the other part that he is actually Ernst Stavro Profeld. Bum, bum, bum. And we see him with the kitty, which that just no reason for that cat to be there. Except to like nod to this is not a new villain. Yeah, it's just it's this a typical is... Blofeld cat. Right. And he then, has a cat. Then he spends also watch Austin Powers. I mean, like they're trying to like really push it in your face. Uh, true. But and then he gives a villain monologue and tortures Bond. I mean I'm surprised he wasn't like, you guys do it. No, I want to do it myself. And that's going to lead to him getting scarred and becoming... I'm going to put a tiny needle in the worst place possible and it's going to hurt. I like that I like that concept, though. If he, had, if he was telling someone to do it, like you're going to... I'm telling you what's going to happen, but you're going to do it. That would have been cool, but it's him doing it. So he's the villain of many. But anyway, James saves the day, goes back to London. They're going to bomb the Nine Eyes headquarters... And then Blofeld kidnaps him, kidnaps Madeline, brings them to the old MI6, which was blown up in the last movie. And there's a whole set piece there. So it's like, 
it's multiple climaxes in this movie that don't feel like a payoff. True. Because it's like, is this the end? No, we're going to go on here. No, this is the end. No. And then we're going to have a boat chase. And And it's going to continue. Yeah, it just, it went on and on and on and on. And and like I pointed out, Blofeld would, that wound would not have been that scarred at that point within a day. Where he had immediately the white eye. His eyes would have been red and he would have been messed up still. Like he would have had uh, tape on him already. He wouldn't have been perfectly Blofeld mode. That would not have I don't know. I think there are some things that can make your eye turn white really quickly. Uh, it's. I don't want to Google that. There, I don't want to see the images that pop up. But I'll buy it. I'm just going to say that overall this is a... Eh, it's... like the, You hate that it's Blofeld. No, it's not that. It's just... I really was excited for this one. I thought it was good. And when I saw it, I was like, yes, new Bond movie. There's some good elements. But as I rewatched it, I realized it's not as good as I thought. I mean, out of the four. I mean, it's still a Bond movie. It's, still it's, great. A, it's a great Bond movie. And right. it is tons better than Quantum of Solace. Don't get me wrong. Quantum of Solace is still garbage. But this one out of the four movies is number three. Without a doubt. I give you that. It is not as good as Skyfall, and it is not as good as the other one. There's no way it's as good. And let's actually get on to the other elements about this, besides that, um, as we do. The cars, we had the Aston Martin DB10 in it, and I love the fact that it has the New York, New York. <laughs> yes, because it wasn't created for James, it was created for somebody else. No, it was created for James, but then they had to refit it for 009. Mm-hmm. Because he got fired or let go. Then we had, of course, uh, Mr. Hink's Jaguar CX-75, which was pretty badass. Because that car was decommissioned. They stopped making it. So they made it specifically for the movie because they said, we were going to make it, but we stopped. But we're going to make this one last one for the movie to be blown up. Because that's what we do in James Bond films. We blow them up. And then, of course, we had the DB5 at the ending, which was rebuilt again and taken by James. And he left the bottle of champagne for Q. And I love he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Next, we had the gadgets for the, the f- movie. I mean, besides the Blofeld gadget, we had all the gadgets in the car. We had the uh, Smart Blood, which apparently is tracking software that they had in the first movie. But now it's Smart Blood. It's nanites in your body. Yep. Which, eh. Could be a thing. Like, if it was, like, he had it in the beginning, they could have tracked him forever then. There's no way to get rid of it unless, you know, so he's, like, now stuck like that. Like, wherever he goes, they're going to know where he is with smart blood, so. I don't know. That could lead to problems later. Wait, no, no, no. No, at the end, they... Isn't del- there not the smart blood in this? No, they deleted the smart blood at the end of... they. De- Never mind. They de- delete smart blood at, at the end of the movie. Because it says, delete all information on the smart blood for James. So that's why they can't track him. Okay. My brain just kind of fuzzied out for a moment. I apologize. Um, but anyway, so we have smart blood. We have the watch, which this time it's a bomb. Yep. I don't know. What do you think about it as a bomb this time? Instead of the razor wire, instead of a... I like it as a bomb. It's the bomb. 
Har har. And then I think that's it for the tech in the movie. Is there any other tech or gadgets? Not that stand out. Yeah, that is true. So let's get to the um, soundtrack. I like that they have the horns, the classic horns in the... The gun barrel scene? Yep. (laughs) The soundtrack isn't bad. We got uh, Thomas Newman returning as the composer, and he does a good job with it. It has a lot of elements from John Barry, who worked on Magic Secret Service. You have like a rendition of that in the movie, which makes me wonder if that's going to become a... He's just copying that. But you have tons of other little elements that work really well. And then you have the opening theme. And now, fun fact, this movie originally had a contest for who was going to get the opening theme. It was between Radiohead, who did a song called Spectre, and then Sam Smith doing Writing on the Wall. I wonder who won. Sam Smith won. With a terrible song that is a garbagey theme. I get that it's like, that's the theme that they're going to use for the whole movie. It's garbage. It's really bad. I don't think it's a good Bond film. The opening sequence, like the visuals are beautiful and amazing. I love the squid. And if you listen to the Radiohead version of Spectre, you could see like, oh my god, why did they choose the other one? Because it comes across as whiny. But... They're going for that emotional, there's baggage here, which translates quite often to whiny. He's like super whiny, like super duper duper, like, I'm a whiny bastard. I completely agree. But that's what, that's how you get the whiny whiny. There are so many other, well, anyway. So, yeah, I was not a fan of the soundtrack at all. I think it was poorly done. Um, Especially after Skyfall and, of course, any of the Shirley Bassies. I mean, yeah, it reached number one on the UK singles charts. But, like, they said that the day after the song came out, all that was trending on Twitter was Shirley Bassey. Because they're like, nope. We want Shirley Bassey, not this garbage song. And I think that's pretty much all we could say about this movie. I mean, I mean, I I got a really good rant. You did. It was one of your first real rants. Yeah, uh, I had to. But now that we've gone to pretty much the tr- one of our. Latest Bond films. And I say this is number 24. We've gone through 25 Bond films. I'm going to say that this one is going to be probably lower tier. I'm thinking that it's going to be below. I think it's above Moonraker and A View to a Kill, but not better than Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, and putting it below Diamonds or Forever is... Because, let's be honest... Is um, harsh? It's not harsh because that's middle of the road. That's our middle ground. Yeah, but I think... I. It's pretty low, though. Yeah. I like to think that every time they make a movie, it gets better. The latest one should be the very best that they have. So taking a newer 
Bond movie and putting it middle of the road feels harsh and critical. I, granted, we're reviewing this. We're criticizing it. And we're saying it's a good Bond. It's a Bond movie, which is still better than most things. It's still a worth right. watching in theaters. It's a good movie. It's just we're holding it to high standards because it's a James Bond movie. Correct. That's the only thing is we're holding it to high standards. But anyway, so next we have our villains. Now, we at our top of our villains list is Blofeld, but I think that in the rank of the th- four Blofelds, where would you put him? Because you had uh, Christoph Waltz, you had Charles Gray, you had... Um, who are the other two Blofelds? Brain not working right now. Um, you had uh, Kojak, who was in Honor Magic Secret Service, and then you had... Um, I want to say brain. Ah. I mean, do we count Austin Powers in this? No, because that's not a Bond movie. It's not a Bond movie, but oh, it's um, Donald Pleasant. So it's Donald Pleasant, Telly Savalas, James Gray, and Charles Waltz. We're not including Max von Sydow from Never Say Never Again, and we're not going to include John Hollist. Because all he did was he was playing a guy in a wheelchair who gets dropped into a, uh, well, he gets blown up. Awesome death. Ernst Stavro Blofield. I love that his name is Ernst. Ernst. But that's what it is. I think he's awesome. I'm. But out of the four of them, the four main ones, where would you put him? So you have Christoph Waltz, Charles Gray. Telly Savalas and Donald Pleasant. He's the one that we don't count. We don't count him. He was in the other him. movie, remember? He was in Never Say Never Again. So we're saying the Eon. I movies. go one, two. You think that the one from Diamonds Are Forever three, is the best four. one? Really? It's one of my least favorite movies because they don't they put Diamonds Are Forever as the title and they don't have a lot of diamonds. No, I know, in but you're saying so he was the best version. Of I it? I really liked him. So I say one, two, three, four. This is my least favorite Blowfield. Okay. I say one. You so have Charles to... Gray is the first one, the one with the clones. I can I can buy that. Yeah. Okay. I'll respect that. I mean, I think it's tough to make that decision, and you if I mean, ask me again tomorrow, and I might have a different answer. I mean, I think but... the quintessential is still Donald Pleasant, but I think Telly Savalas is the one who did the most damage to James. I mean, yeah, Christoph Waltz is good, but... I love Christoph Waltz, and I think he's disturbing. I don't like the twist of he's James's fake brother, stepbrother. Hopefully, in the he's going to show up in the new film. Hopefully, they fix him a little bit. Maybe he'll come back and they'll fix some writing with him. I love him as an actor. I love to hate him when he plays a bad guy. I mean, like, he's awesome. But as far as, like, Blowfields go and 007, I, for me, the one from Diamonds Are Forever is more cartoonish, but I like that campy James Bond movie. I, I can understand that. Yeah. And I respect that. I just uh, and this one bothers me with the scar. What's his name? Oh, Donald Pleasant. But he was the, Donald Pleasant. He's the one that is the parody for everybody. Though. He's the parody for everybody, and I almost prefer and he's him the as quintis- the. He's the quintessential. He is, but I prefer him as the parody. The scar bothers me. Okay, well, the new scar is worse. 
True. But anyway, so we, we, we put him as one of the lower ones. So overall, what about out of all of the James Bond villains, where would you put Waltz right now? Oh, that's tough. I think a little... Uh, part of me wants to go above Elliot Carver, but Elliot Carver's idea was, we're just mass media, and he was more like, I'm going to fuck with my brother. True. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, so for Bond girls, we have never ranked them. We have not. But compared to Vesper and Tracy, where would you put... I mean, this Madeline. one, Madeline goes really high, despite the wardrobe. I mean, take that out of it. I like that she's actually intelligent, and she could be very, very twisted, and she might be. We don't really know, because she's Blofeld's daughter. Well, Mr. White's daughter, yeah. Mr. White's daughter. But she is more faceted than most, I think. So that's why she's like a top. For me. Okay, so you think she's the top? You think she's better than Vesper? Better, better than... Uh... I really like Vesper. I don't know. I really like... Okay. Um... And then, of course... I would say third. Okay. She's in my top three. Now, for henchmen, we currently have Knickknack at the top, Oddjob, Vesper, and then Jaws, and then Xenia on a top. I think that Hink... Takes down Xenia. I think Hink is number five. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of not fair because Jaws gets two spots because he was number 10 and number 11. But Mr. Hink is decent. He's much better than Elvis, who we currently have at the bottom. Well. He's not the worst. Elvis. Well, actually, Elvis is worse than Kid and Wink. and But he's better than the three blind mice. <laughs> and Hans from number five, who just got thrown into Love Pit. Um, now for writing on the wall, where would you put this as a, a Bond theme song? I really like it. It's got a good earwig moment. It gets stuck in your head. It's a little bit whiny. It's so, would you put it better than You Know My Name from Casino Royale? No. Uh, better than License to Kill? No. Better than Tomorrow Never Dies? No. Or Another Way to Die, which was from the last one. that that quote, uh, No, that was from Quantum of Solace. We didn't like that one. Yeah, I would put it above that. So better than For Your Eyes Only? Okay. Yeah. So this is, so yeah. Writing on the wall is officially number 24, 23, 22, 21, 20, number 19 on our list out of 24. Yep. That kind of sucks. Sorry. Oh, well. That's sorry, not is. sorry. Exactly. It is what it is, and we're going to have to wait and see how, how all that goes. But we digress. So I think that's all we could say about James Bond 007 Spectre. Now, what movie is coming next? No Time to Die. Which is going to be the end of his franchise. Uh, end of Daniel Craig's franchise, not the end of 007. It better not be the end of 007. Of James Bond. They can't stop making James Bond. Like, 100 years from now, they should be like, okay, fans, we're going to be reviewing the last 200 movies of James Bond. Like, there's got to be more. It has to be. It's one of the best franchises out there. It's not the longest, but it's one of the best, I think, and it should be still going out. I don't know if it's going to be a high note. I don't know if it's going to be a low note, but I'm excited for this film. 
So I think we've talked all about Spectre that we can. So because this is the second to last movie, the last movie before our new one, we're going to each have two quotes. So with that in mind. I'm Greta. My first favorite quote is. How predictably moronic. But then isn't that what M stands for? Moron. And now we know what C stands for. Careless. My next favorite quote is... I remind you that I answer directly to M. I also have a mortgage and two cats to feed. Well, then I suggest you trust me. For the sake of the cats. Those are both really good quotes. The second one shows that Q is more of a person now. And that first quote, I have to admit that M has a... I thought he had a potty mouth for a second. I was like, is he going to say it? Is he going to say it? And it was like, no, he went above and beyond. Because Ray finds. I was like... Part of me was like, do a curse, but he didn't. But, I mean, that's what he has James for. He doesn't have to say it. You know he wanted to say oh, it. Oh, of course. Well, anyway, this is your host, Zan. I'm Gonsville. And for the 2015 James Bond film, Spectre... My first favorite quote is going to be... It's still going on at a distance. It isn't taking place where he is. As you know all too well, dear Madeleine, a man lives inside his head. That's where the seat of his soul is. James and I were both present recently when a man was deprived of his eyes. And the most astonishing thing happened. Didn't you notice? He wasn't there anymore. He'd gone even though he was still alive. So this brief moment between life and death, there was nobody inside his skull. Most odd. And my other favorite quote is going to be... Come on, Em, you can't really tell me that one man in the field can compete with all of this running around out there with his license to kill. Have you ever had to kill a man, Max? Have you? To pull that trigger, you have to be sure. Yes, you investigate, analyze, assess, target, and then you have to look him in the eye. And you make the call. And all the drones, bugs, cameras, transcripts, all the surveillance in the world can't tell you what to do next. A license to kill is also a license not to kill. Thank you guys for listening. We're Gonsville. We'll catch you guys next time. And as usual, keep watching movies. And remember to drink your Vesper martinis. <laughs> <laughs>
Forensics finally released this. What is it? Personal effects they recovered from Skyfall. You've got a secret. Something you can't tell anyone. 
Because you don't trust anyone. I always knew death would wear a familiar face. But not yours. I was at a meeting recently and your name came on. Unflattered London are still talking about me. It wasn't MI6. You are a kite dancing in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. Welcome, James. It's been a long time. And finally, here we are. you something, sir. Vodka martini, shaken, not stirred. I'm sorry, we don't serve alcohol. I'm really starting to love this place. Magnificent, isn't she? Zero to 60 in 3.2 seconds. Fully bulletproof, a few little tricks up her sleeves. It's a shame, really, she was meant for you, but she's been reassigned to 009. But you can have this. Does it do anything? It tells the time. Might help with your punctuality issues. Anne's idea? Precisely. Oh, one word of warning. The alarm is rather loud. If you know what I mean. I think I do. Oh, yes. That old thing is taking quite a bit of time. Mind you, there wasn't much left to work on. Barely a steering wheel. I believe I said bring it back in one piece, not bring back one piece. <laughs> anyway, enjoy your downtime, 007. Q. Yes? Well, now you know exactly where I am all the time. Will you do something for me? What do you have in mind, exactly? Make me disappear. 